This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. We have been talking about the subject of suffering. And in cont- for context, suffering according to God's will. There is a suffering that is not according to God's will. How do we know that? Well, the foundation scripture that has given us uh, the, the scripture that has given us the foundation for this series has been from First Peter chapter four verses nineteen. Well, it's First Peter chapter four verses twelve to nineteen. But to answer the question, is there suffering according to God's will? Yes. Is there suffering that's not according to God's will? Yes, also. So in today's segment, today's episode, my hope is that I will be able to, we shall be able to drill down or bring some clarity to what is suffering according to the the overarching theme of what is suffering according to God's will versus not according to God's wills, we've kind of been touching on this subject, you know, kind of like in unison, uh, parallel to the other questions we we asked. We looked at questions like, why is suffering, you know, uh, how do we end up on suffering street? Or why do we suffer? Why does God allow suffering? You know, why do we need to embrace our suffering seasons? And so we have touched on all of this. And so today, for this episode, for this segment, my hope is to just round up, hopefully, this conversation on on suffering according to God's will versus not according to God's will because there's context of scripture that we can look at. But is there suffering according to God's will? Yes. First Peter chapter 4, verse 19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creation. So, you need to understand there is a suffering according to God's will. Now, just to quickly recap some of the scriptures that have been have given us context on the subject of suffering, we did say that if you're trying to discern the kind of suffering that you're going through, we'll read first Peter chapter four verses twelve and then read down back to nineteen again. It says, Beloved. Because most times when we're going through suffering, we start to ask all these questions. You know, why why am I suffering? Why is God letting me suffer? Why do I need to suffer? Why do I need to embrace this cup of suffering? We ask all of this why, why, why? Because it almost feels like this should not be happening to us. However, looking at some uh, our 
the scripture that has really given us context for this conversation, the passage of scripture, it says, beloved, I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So he's telling you that if you're going through a trial, he says, think it not strange. He says, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. It says, rejoice. Then it goes on to say that if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Then he gives us a context in which not to suffer. Once again, it says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creation. So we looked at that, that context saying, once you're going through a suffering season, suffering time, trying time, says, do not consider it strange. Well, we did use one person who suffered a great deal. That was Job. But I say that Job's suffering, Job did not know that he had been put on the witness stand to receive a medal of honor. And since he was perfect man, upright, eschewed no evil, there was none like him in the earth when Satan had been trying different people and getting away with it and bringing afflictions in their lives. And these people were cursing God and renouncing their faith. Job, God needed to show Satan that, hey, why are you going after the weak ones? I've got me one guy called Job and he won't back down. He won't fall under the pressure. Satan was like, well, take off your head, your protection around him, and let me take a crack at him and show you that he will curse you to your face. And Job stood his ground. So that suffering is a suffering where, yes, that suffering was according to God's will. Now, there's a context for that one where, once again, God wanted to prove to Satan that I have people that trust me and will hold fast their integrity not because I've blessed them financially, not because I've given them beautiful family, not because I've prospered them, not because only I've not because I've, I've kept them healthy. No, but they have they have reached a point of maturity where they love me for me and not just the things that I provide to them. And Job passed the test. And to show you who God is, Job, God did recompense Job 
twice as much as he had before. The three, the three daughters and, and seven sons that he lost during that season of trial, Job had 10 kids again. He had another three daughters and another seven sons. And Job went on to live for 140 years after he had been tested. Then we spoke about suffering and saying the the really the, 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 the best question to ask when you go through our sufferings is first of all, uh, there's another question that it's 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 a question that forces you to come up higher, to think higher, which is how did I even end up on suffering street? Which is what we primarily focused on in our previous episode. How did I end up on suffering street? Because that really gives us insight. Now, during a season when you're asking all these questions, in James chapter 2, no, James, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, also really verses 2 to 5, gives us another context of how that we should seek wisdom when we're going through a suffering season. Because it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So right after that, he goes on to say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So you can also look at it as saying, as you're going through the seasons and you're lacking understanding because you're going to be like Job. Job lamented a lot. And and you'll be asking all the why me, why me, why me, why me, why me, all of those things. He says, ask of wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask of God and he will let you know. He will let you know. So... It helps for context in in some of the previous episodes. I I, I presented some scriptures to you. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7 to 9, which talks about uh, this. This for me was really huge when I was going through some sufferings. And, you know, the Christian walk is not without sufferings. So whatever cup I'm currently drinking, we talked, we'll, we'll talk, we'll use the reference. I'm, I'm using that reference from Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, uh, Jesus, basically, if we look at what James tells us, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. Now, Jesus was in a, was, was suffering, was in a moment of pressure, excruciating pain. Um, he was sorrowful, depression, anxiety had all surrounded him before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 43, we see something very interesting. He says, and, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, 
strengthening him. So I say that once you're going through a season like this, it's very important for us to seek wisdom from the Lord and say, is this a cup that I'm going to be drinking for some time? Because something happened as we're drinking this cup. In James, it says, but knowing that the triangle of your faith works patience, let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. You are in heaviness that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So once again, it's very interesting because we're hearing words that are ah oh, heavy. Try of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. So you, you, you're going through manifold temptations. He says you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. But it says for this season, if need be, though now for a season, if need be, says that let, let, let this season be a season where the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, the precious, though it be tried with fire, that let this season not just go by. It says that you will be found, let you be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So I think that's what Job found himself because in one, in one place it says, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. When Job received all the bad news that his properties, fire had broken out, consumed his properties, thieves had come in, stolen his animals, killed his servants. Then a wind swept one of the, the eldest brother's house and the corners fell and the children were killed. That through In that storm, Job says he knelt down. He tore his garments. He knelt down says, and he worshipped. And he worshipped. So it can be trying. It's a hard season. So Jesus was going through this. He was praying for the Father to remove the cup. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And in those moments of Jesus' understanding, we're talking about wisdom during a suffering season. His attitude after that moment says nevertheless not my will but thine be done says and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven strengthening him because sometimes i say that uh god is a god who will lift you up in first samuel chapter 2 verse 7 to 9 we see this it says the lord makes make says the lord maketh poor and maketh rich he bringeth low and he lifteth up. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar from the dunghill to set him among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. Wow. So 
here we see a God who will lift you up out of the dust. I call this a vertical deliverance. This is where God just removes that cup of suffering. Okay. However, sometimes, as we see with Jesus here, nevertheless, not my will, but thine, O Lord. When you get to a point where you realize that you have to drink this cup, you've discerned that perhaps there's things in you that God is dealing with. Again, how did you end up on Suffering Street? This is, again, interesting. Because how we end up on Suffering Street, we looked at Psalm 119. In Psalm 119, verses 66 downwards, we see the psalmist make some statements that we can that can give us insight on how we ended up on Suffering Street. It says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. Psalm 119, verse 66. It says, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Then he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So that answers the question of how did you even end up on Suffering Street? He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Now, since I've, I'm, I'm, I've been afflicted, now I know that the best way for me to stay away from suffering street is to keep your word. It says, thou art good and thou doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Then he goes and says in verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Then he goes on to say, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. So once again, here we see uh, the, the psalmist really bring to our attention a knowledge and say, this is how we end up on suffering street. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. And it says, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. So that's how you end up on suffering streets. So sometimes God is a God who will show up and remove the cup. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, it's a really tough subject. So uh, unfortunately for us, sometimes it's a God who let's us go through the fire it's not fun sometimes that's the god who that's that's the deliverance we get is a god who will let us go through the fire but once again there's a part on how we end up on suffering street because of before i went astray before i was afflicted i went astray now on the other hand there's when God sometimes wants to establish trust between him and someone, if he wants to present grounds of working with someone, um, in essence, um, look at Abraham. This is a guy that God tells, hey, I want to do some great things through you, but leave thy country, leave thy kindred. Leave thy father's house and go into a land that I will show unto thee. I mean, God is telling someone who wants to do great things with them, but he's telling him, okay, the first test is here. Leave your comfort zone. 
that's a suffering. That that walk of faith by which Abraham was credited righteousness, that was suffering. That was not easy. It, it's, it's only, you know, when you read that, it's in a few verses, and you might think that it was easy. This is a man who had a living, a man with a family, and God was telling him, leave thy country, leave thy kindred, leave thy father's house. And so Abraham, God is saying, I want to use you, but now I need to know what kind of man you are. Now, will you rise up to the test? Will you rise up to the occasion? Will you hold fast through the afflictions, through the chastising? Sometimes we go, because there's two ways I want you to look at this. Again, as we shall segue into the subject of more context for suffering according to God's will versus not suffering according to God's will. Suffering according to God's will and then suffering not according to God's will. So we've looked at the context of Job where Job, he was caught up in a situation where Lord, the Lord wanted to prove something to Satan. Because Satan brought the argument. Job was put on a witness stand. So that suffering context is, 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 is also possible. It's different. So let's put down on one side. Now, there's also another suffering, which is through disobedience. Because I said in Romans chapter 5, this is interesting, but let us go there. In Romans chapter 5, we see another suffering that's also very interesting. A suffering, I shouldn't say suffering is interesting. In Romans chapter 5, we see verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Who was this one man? That was Adam. So now we see a suffering where the first time we see humankind, man, end up on suffering street is because of disobedience. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So the first time we see in the history of humankind, man ending up on suffering street was because of disobedience. Okay? That one is the one where you hear the psalmist also say, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Okay? But now I have kept thy word. So that's a suffering. You ended up on suffering street, whatever you're going through with these afflictions because of disobedience or of lack of following the Lord's footsteps. Okay? And that's why in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, he also says, uh, the writer of Solomon, King Solomon, says these were the words that his father passed on unto him. At the beginning of Proverbs, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to whom wisdom and to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, 
to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding. Um, yeah, a wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark saying. Now, here in Proverbs chapter 3, we see some very interesting, uh, we see context on this subject of suffering, ending up on suffering street through disobedience. Again, as the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Proverbs chapter 3 says, My son, forget not my law, let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. Let mercy, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them about the table of thine heart, so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Then he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You see? In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So when we end up on suffering street because of disobedience or because we leaned on our own understanding and did not invite, acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, basically we ended up on a path where God did not direct us to go. What happens because of that rebellion nature, that re rebellious nature in us, God is caught up in a situation where he has to chastise you. You know, there's, a, there's another proverb that says, spare the rod and spoil the child. So God has to chastise you. It says, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord. This is now down in verse 11, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. My son despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be wary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. So that's now we're in a situation where you are being chastised. Yes, you're being chastised. In, in essence, God is giving you a little, is giving you a spanking to bring you back on track. So in that one, we see how we ended up. We end up on suffering street. Now, there is another suffering where it's not per se that you're walking in, in disobedience. And it's not the one where God has is looking you know, like Job, where God has called you to the witness stand to give you a medal of honor. He wants to prove to Satan that you hold fast your integrity even after all the afflictions. However, there is now a suffering where, let's say the suffering of Abraham. There's a suffering of faith when your faith is being tested. There's a suffering where God just wants to use a man or a woman. And so you get caught up like Abraham, where God appears to you and says, Now the Lord God has said to Abraham, this is in Genesis chapter 12, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land 
I will show you, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So in this one, God is proposing to a man and saying, hey, I have a deal for you. I will make of thee a great nation, or I want to make of you a great nation. I want to bless you. I want to make thy name great so that you can be a blessing. But he's saying before that, he says, now I need to do something. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And you now find yourself in having to take a big step of faith. So now the suffering that you're going to go through is the suffering, you know, the, it's the trial of your faith. It, it's a suffering of, um, I'm trying to find a word. You see, this suffering here is not necessarily, has not been ignited. I mean, has not been triggered by disobedience. But now you, you're someone that God wants to use. However, he's saying, I can't really use you in the state in which you are. Um, I want to use you, but there's some things we need to align, we need to work on. And so when you say yes, unfortunately, you still have to go through a suffering. Because now here in this kind of suffering, God wants to establish uh, a trust. There's a trust that God wants to build or establish between you and you and him. So it's interesting. So in this one, you do not really end up on suffering didn't you, 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 you it was not because of disobedience but the 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 starting point is that god just wants to do something through someone but that person is not usable and so there's like a pruning there's a pruning that this person has to go through so there's a suffering what did abraham suffer well, the first thing, Abraham, when he left his country, there are, some, there are a lot of things that Abraham uh, uh, went through because when he leaves his country, Ur of Chaldeans, they come and they camp out in, in, in Haran for a, a number of years. When his father dies, then they depart from, his father Terah dies, they depart and go from uh Haran to venture now out into Canaan, the land of Canaan. However, when they come into the land of Canaan, man, they uh, a famine happens. Okay, so a famine happens. When a famine happens in the land of Canaan, where Abraham was, man, he he. He decides to, now what is that? That's a financial affliction. I mean, now Abraham has started pursuing God's will, but now Abraham is caught up in a financial affliction. Because 
Then it says Abraham is driven by a famine into Egypt. So Abraham goes to the land where God wants him to go. But what ends up happening is that there's famine in that land. So Abraham has to pack up his bags and start journeying south. He goes to Egypt. You see what happens? As he's pursuing God's will, he's now encountered a financial famine. So, first, first forward, Abraham didn't really pass that test. So, fast forward, when Isaac, his, um, his son, when Isaac, his son, is faced with the same test, we see God telling Isaac, don't do like your father. Stay put in the land of famine. Abraham, when Abraham encountered that financial famine, or famine of uh, 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 that lack of provision, man, he, he packed up his bags and went to Egypt. So in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, we see, says, and there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine, for the famine was grievous in the land, in the land where God had told him to go. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I, behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. This woman at this point was around 65 years old, and she was still a dime. She's still a good-looking woman, 65. Abraham is telling her, I know thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see you, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that he may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. So now Abraham is caught up in a situation, another problem where he says, if the Egyptians find out that you are my wife, because of how beautiful you are, they are going to kill me. So lie to them. Tell them you are my sister. Tell them you are my sister. So now Abraham is facing another test. Another trial. He's sojourning to a country. He's fearful for his life. All of these have come trials that have, have been on this test of trying to pursue God's will. So now he's getting his wife in to, to lie. Anyways, it ends up happening that Abraham is... It shall come to pass. Abraham was come into Egypt. The Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princess also Pharaoh saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh here what his fear ha happened. The woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So Ab the Pharaoh saying, okay, this is your sister. Pharaoh hands Abraham, sheep, oxen, uh, he asses, 
men servants, maid servants, and she asses and camels. So Pharaoh is, you know, paying bride price. But it says the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that you have done unto me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why saidest thou that she's my sister? So might I have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. So now Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. They sent Abraham away and his wife and all that he had. Now, what ended up happening? Abraham leaves Egypt. Him, his wife, and his nephew, Lot. And they... They, 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 they move back to where he started, back between Bethel and Hai. That's where he, he, he had camped out when he came to Canaan and put his tent. So you see a guy who, because God say, has told him, I want to make your name great. I want to use you to bless the nations of the earth through you. Now he's caught up in some trials that he has to go through. So... Abraham, something else happens. His nephew, Lot, because of Abraham's property and, 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 and substance that increased, him and his nephew can no longer live in the same area because they're, they, they have both started to uh, grow and multiply. So their the hard men start to have contentions. Abraham comes to him and says, to Lot in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8, Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, between my hard men and thy hard men, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If you'll take the left hand, then I'll go right. If you'll depart to the right, then I'll go to the left. So Lot ends up going to Sodom, to the plain of the Jordan, which is uh, next to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, however, Abraham... Things happen in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah to, to his nephew, Lot. And now Abraham has to go into a battle to, to rescue his cousin Lot in Genesis chapter 14. Because the, 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 the five, there's a battle that happens and five kings against four. They raid up Sodom and Gomorrah. They take Lot, all the substance, and his wife. So Abraham now has to go on a rescue mission. So now Abraham is caught up in a rescue mission that, in essence, he, he didn't really have anything to, 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 to do. So it's not like it was by disobedience that he caused Lot. He just told Lot, hey, we, we should not fight. The land is too great. There's a lot of land between, you know, that we, we have access to. You go left, I go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Lot went his way. A battle happened. Lot was captured. Abraham was like, I need to rescue my nephew. So then he says, Abraham now is caught up in a battle. Then it says in verse 12, Genesis chapter 14, verse 12, say, and they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that escaped and told Abraham, told Abram, who was Abraham, who later on became Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshcol, and the brother of Enar, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, 
and pursued them unto Dan. So Abraham now is on a battle. So Abraham goes and fights with his uh, four kings. So Abraham went and fought this battle and he won. Then Abraham, after fighting and winning this battle, it says he brought back all the goods and brought the also brought back again his brother's lot, brought back his his brother, nephew, Lot, and his goods and the women also and the people. So Abraham helps um so Abraham defeated the five kings, he comes back and returns all the goods. But then what's interesting, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of Chidalor, well, Chedalomar, Laomer, Chedalomar, 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 the slaughter of Chedalomar, help me Holy Spirit. Anyways, that battle, that battle and the kings that were with him in the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dell. So now Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So now Abraham meets this king of Salem, king of righteousness, king of peace. He blesses him when Abraham has come back from a battle. However, there's another test that Abraham faces because it says in the king of Sodom, right after Abraham had been blessed basically by, 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 by a king, a, a Christian king of, of the most high God, Melchizedek, Abraham is met with another temptation because it says the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Now, Abraham is being tested on his loyalty. Will he trust in the positions he has won from the battle? Or will he realize that even the power or the person who has delivered the battle into his hands is God? So, Abraham is struggling. I mean, Abraham here is, uh, the king tells him, Give me the persons, you take all the goods. Abraham says to the king, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take, I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. So in this encounter, Abraham was faced with the temptation of taking material substance. But he turned it down. It says, save only that which the young men have eaten and the, and the portion of the men which went with me. Anyways, in verse 15, we see Abraham now complaining. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not, Abraham, fear not, Abraham, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So the Lord was telling him, I know it's hard for you regarding, you know, having to give up what you feel you fought for and you risked your life for. But it says, fear not. It says, I am your shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
So anyways, Abraham now complains. So Abraham says, Lord, what will thou give me seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So Abraham is all complaining for lack of a child. Because saying, you're the one who brought me out here. And you told me that you'll bless me and make me great. Right? That my seed shall be great. That you'll make of me a great nation. How is this thing going to be? Seeing I don't even have a child. My wife is barren. We're getting old. So, you see... This was Abraham being tested. God here is working around to, to establish their relationship. So this is a suffering that is the sufferings that we see Abraham going through. Um, uh, will he believe God? Will he keep standing on the promise that God gave him? We see this happening and Abraham... A couple of times, the fear, the doubt that he doesn't have a child comes in. And Abraham is actually forced because they, Sarah, his wife, told him, listen, why don't you sleep? You know, why don't you go into my uh, maid servant and have a child? Sarah proposed this. She suggested this. She said unto Abraham, Behold, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. Meaning the Lord has kept me, you know, I'm going through barrenness. The Lord has prevented me from giving birth. Going to my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. So, Abraham went in, 10 years after dwelling in the land of Canaan, And he had a, he basically slept with his um, maid servant, and she conceived a child who was what we call Ishmael. So this is very interesting. We see this happening. Uh, Abraham's afflictions and trials were caught up on the journey of a man that God wanted to use greatly. So that's another context for us to look at. And there's also another context that we're going to talk about now. Let's talk about Joseph and his suffering. Joseph was someone who suffered not necessarily because he walked in disobedience. Joseph, if we look at the sufferings of Joseph, Joseph suffered right in following the will of God. You know, we... So, so his suffering was not a suffering of, you know, disobedience. Like, you know, like the psalmist was saying in Psalms 119, that before I was afflicted, I went astray. But we've spoken about Abraham, but how about Joseph? You know, Joseph had a dream. That's where we are caught up with in, in the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, um, verse 2. It says these are the these are the generations of Jacob. It says Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. You know, and in verse 3 it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colours. 
And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So then Joseph receives two dreams. We see that in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. I'm just going to quickly cruise through the story of Joseph just to touch on his sufferings. Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Then he has another dream in verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to the, to the earth? And his brethren, his brothers envied him, but his father observed the same. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Sichem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Sichem? Come, and I will send you unto them. And he said unto him, Here, here am I. So his father sends him to go feed his brethren. Meanwhile, when he gets there, his brothers who are already angry and jealous of him, they decide to come up with a plan to kill Joseph. However, Reuben uh, talked them, talked the other brothers out of it and said, cast him into his pit, cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he may read him out of their hands. So Reuben's plan was to come back around and save his brother. But anyway, they cast Joseph into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. And behold, traders, a company of Ishmaelites, came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery balm, and they were going down to Egypt. So his brothers decided to sell Joseph off um, to the Midianites who took Joseph, who bought Joseph as a slave and sold him to Egypt. So he is a guy whose sufferings have not been ignited by disobedience. He's a guy whose sufferings have just been ignited because now God is going to start dealing with him. In essence, God is going to start using this guy. And the way he's ushered into his calling to be used by God is by suffering. His, his father loved him. His brothers knew that he Joseph was his father's favorite child. And meanwhile, as he starts to go on this journey to um, basically fulfill God's plan, the plan that God had for his life, we see how it starts out. He starts out being sold as a slave into Egypt. Now, First forward in Genesis chapter 39, he's at his mother, he's at his master's house, who was the captain of the king's guard, Potiphar. So Joseph is there, Joseph does his thing, Joseph is a good, you know, he he rises to the ranks, and a temptation comes. 
his master's wife admires Joseph and wants to sleep with him. Joseph turns down that offer and he's falsely accused of rape. In Genesis chapter 39, it talks about, and she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garments in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has, bought, he has brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to his words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. So Joseph is falsely accused by his master's wife and is sent into prison. Meanwhile, he stays in prison for two years. You know, he's forgotten in prison. So, those sufferings, we can see Joseph suffered, the suffering he's going through, are because those sufferings find him in alignment with pursuing God's will. So, this is just another case in point that uh, the context for our sufferings, we have to understand the context of our suffering. So, Joseph's we have read about it, and his was different, you know. We, we, I'm just going to quickly touch on David as well. Meanwhile, in 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 Psalm 107, we see where Psalm 107 or Psalm 100, and we see where it talks about. I think it's Psalm 105. Yes. It talks about Joseph, concerning Joseph. It says, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. So when God wanted to deliver the nation of Israel, he knew the famine was coming. However, he drove, in order to, to protect this nation of Israel, which at this time were the sons of Jacob, Israel, um, it says, he sent before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. So he sent one of their brothers ahead of them, basically to secure their destiny, but he sent him, how he sent him, he was sold as a servant. And it says, this is Psalm 105, verse 17. And it says, whose feet they heart with fetters, he was laid in iron. And this, then it says, verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Until the time that his word came, the words that he had seen in those dreams, the things that the Lord had told him. So the same thing happened to Abraham until the word that the Lord told him, you shall be a father of many nations. Until that word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So the king sent and loosed him, even the rule of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord over his house and ruler of all his substance. 
to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. So that's another context for someone who suffered um, while in the midst of the will of God. Let's quickly look at David here. So David is about to go on an errand, on errands of suffering, but he, David was, you know, David was out tending to his father's sheep. Uh, God had rejected Saul from taking his anointing away from Saul from being the king. And so Dave, uh, he, 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 he had chosen um, David. He told Samuel the prophet to go and um, anoint David to be king. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and the Lord, verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with, with oil and gold. I will send thee over to Jesse the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Saul, so Saul comes, I mean, Samuel comes to anoint David. David is chosen as king. The famous, uh, uh, the famous, uh, it says, so Samuel anointed uh, David. Then Samuel took the, the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So Saul, here, he, lose, he lost his kingdom. Basically, his kingship, he lost the throne. The throne is passed over to David. But so David starts to pursue the will of God. We can say that. And the first thing he does for him, how he was ushered in, he was ushered into a battle of faith. So that, you know, when you read that story, you it's very easy for you to think that, yes, it, it, David was in faith and David went. We know the story. David defeated. David, uh, David versus Goliath. David wins that one. However, in continuing to pursue the will of God, a man who's been anointed to become king, he is ushered into the next 10 years of his life, the next 13 years of his life, is suffering. You know, first of all, Saul is jealous of David and wants to kill him. You know, Saul is jealous of David. So Saul starts to plan to kill David. Then Jonathan intervenes and Jonathan makes a way of escape for David. Saul again tries to kill David. But uh, Michal, who was Saul's daughter, um, also helps David to escape. David escapes to Samuel. And so... Saul is pursuing David. So David is running for his life. We know the story ends up in the cave of Adullam. And at some point, David pretended to be mad uh, so that they would not kill him. So all of this to say that David's sufferings before he became a king were right in 
the will of God, meaning like while he was pursuing God's will, he suffered in the midst of pursuing God's will. So there is the suffering of that context. So we've looked at the suffering of Job, where God calls someone and puts him on a witness stand, and God is basically wants to give someone a medal of honor. That's the best way you can look at that one. We look at the suffering and say one where uh, at the beginning, the first time we see man any ending up on suffering street was because of disobedience in the Garden of Eden. And that's primarily how we end up on suffering street in our sufferings. However, there's other sufferings as well where God has decided to use you and you have you, you go through that suffering. That's why it says until the word of the Lord, until his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So that's also another suffering where God wants to use you. Now, there's also another suffering, which is, I believe, how we shall kind of wrap up, which is the sufferings of Jesus. The three types of sufferings that define the ministry of Jesus and which will also define, which will have to be the kinds of sufferings, these ones that we can't pray away. These ones we're always, we kind of have to endure them until the end. So... We will talk about the sufferings, the three kind of types of sufferings that we see that Jesus went through. So that's what we'll look at. But once again, I hope this has provided some uh, context for whatever suffering, whatever cup of suffering you're drinking to understand as first Peter chapter four, which has been our context, uh, which has given us context for this foundation which has been our context scripture that says, brethren, let me quickly read it. Beloved, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 19 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a matterer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? What that is talking about is saying, basically it's giving us this context that if as Christians we can suffer according to the will of God, there is no excuse for people who are not Christians not to suffer because they can't say, well, God is not, you know, he's, he's, he's not like God's people are not suffering, you know, and the suffering is not, no, 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 it's, that's, he set the standard saying, if he said the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that have been on the gospel? And then in verse 19 rounds off with saying, 
Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So, we shall now look at the sufferings of Christ, the categories, and yeah. As always, this was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Thank, uh, your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sela.